Some people are looking to just have a bunch, like have they have a primary relationship and then they're looking to date outside of that individually. That's a huge thing. And I'm like, look, I don't, I just don't have the time or like the calendar space to be taking multiple people. How do you have this much time to devote to this many people? Like I just, God bless, but I just don't, I don't understand it just from a time perspective. This is episode number 538 with Don Deus, the challenges of dating after divorce. Hi everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And to support you on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And whether you're single or in a relationship, this book is actually, if you're a man, it'll help too. It's got tons of advice on how to live your best life, how to be as confident as you can be, you know, from the inside out and how to play a bigger game in life and love. And you can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. Every week I bring you a tip from the book. This week's tip is step number nine, love is your birthright. I think it took me most of my life to realize that we all are love. We deserve love. We emanate love. And we often walk around thinking, well, love is just for people who are special, who have grown up in a really healthy household or have had fabulous role models for love. But doing this work as a dating coach, I can tell you that that is just not true. I have helped so many women find and men find find love, even if they have never, ever been in love in their entire life. And so it is just never too late and know that love is your birthright. Before I bring Dawn on, I want to invite you, if you are a woman over 40 and you're looking for your last first date, to join us. In my Facebook group, it's called Your Last First Date. And this is a highly curated, highly monitored group for women who are interested in self-growth along the journey to lasting love. It is an incredibly different group. In most of the groups out there for singles are basically just a bunch of people complaining and supporting each other in their complaints and being a victim. And if you want a different experience where you actually grow on your journey to love, join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Don Deus is the author of the stuff, and it's not really stuff, but we're not going to use the real word, the Stuff No One Tells You series, the Non-Runners Marathon Guide for Women, and many more. She wrote her recent book, The Stuff No One Tells You About Divorce, and it takes readers along on her bumpy, meandering, and often absurd journey through the destruction of a life exploded by divorce as she tries to figure out what happened and what happens next as she enters the dating world, which we are going to discuss in detail. Welcome to the show, Don. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's talk first about being a parent and dating. I know a lot of people really struggle with this. They put dating off. They want to make their kids happy. They want to make themselves happy. Tell me about your experience as a parent. Well, I have 50% custody. So as you've discussed on this show previously, that gives me 50% of my time to, to go pursue things that, um, you know, make me happy, whether that be dating, whether that be hanging out with friends or exploring new hobbies or whatever. I think the complication with kids is that you do only have a certain amount of time free for scheduling stuff. 
And then as a relationship progresses, there's always the conversation of like, how do we bring the kids into this situation? Relationships are an equation. And if you're lucky, it's just two people. <laughs> but when you have kids, if one of you has kids or both of you have kids, that's just added things to that equation. And it could complicate the equation. And sometimes it may make the equation not work. You know, if, if you both have kids and you're trying to, you know, Brady bunch the situation, what if the kids don't get along? What if, you know, the dynamics don't work? What if the timing doesn't work? It's like, there's so many things that just become part of the equation. I'm not sure it's always, you know, a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's just another thing you have to take into consideration when you're dating. Well, I mean, I dated before I had kids. It's just, I'm a completely different person now. Even if I didn't have kids, I think just life and dating would be very different now than when I was in my twenties. Kids do add an interesting aspect to it though. Yes, they do. It's definitely true. And everything that you mentioned, just trying to find the time, schedule it in. Kids have their own schedules. Even if you have 50% custody, what happens if it gets serious? How do you introduce a partner to your kids? I've spoken before about how I sat my kids down when I was finally ready to date again after my divorce and really laid out some agreements with them because I didn't want them to think that number one, I was replacing their father. Number two, I would never prioritize them, which is what happens with a lot of kids. And I wanted to know their concerns. I also let them know I would never introduce them to anyone unless it was serious. And I think, you know, kids just want to know, like, am I going to get attention? Are you going to bring tons of partners home? Do I need to see this? Is this part of my life? Right. Talk a little bit about your dating history, like how you ended up back in the dating pool. Let's hear about your life. Back it up. Back it up. (laughs) Back it Um, up. Well, I dated men throughout my twenties and then, um, sort of came out of the closet around age 30 and started dating women and just happened to partner up with the first woman that I dated. And I I highly do not recommend that (laughs) just partnering up with the first person you date. It's, it's, um, I just, it wasn't the best idea I've ever had, but you know, it happened. So we were together for 12 years and had two kids and did all that. And then, um, we split up. And so I headed out, we split up during the pandemic in the middle of 2020. I kind of headed out into the dating world in the middle of a pandemic, never having dated women before. And just sort of, it was very, it was odd on a number of levels. The pandemic played a huge role in the the oddness because, you know, where do you even meet people? And so I'm on the dating apps, which I found actually efficient you know, because like how much time would it take me to go out with all these people and decide that I don't want to date them, you know? So, and you, and it was a pandemic. So you did a lot of, you know, texting and FaceTime dates and that kind of stuff. And then when you go out on dates, it's like, it's a pandemic. So do you even hug? Like what can you, it was, it was just a weird time to be trying to like socialize with any other human, let alone dating women for the first time, let alone coming out of a marriage. And, you know, like it was um, interesting. It it continues to be interesting, but at least the pandemic aspect has calmed down (laughs) a little bit, a lot, you know, it's just not such an issue as it was when I first headed out there. Yeah. That's a lot to contend with. So you've got, (laughs) A relationship ending, you have these two kids, 
you never dated any other women except the woman you partnered with. And now you're out there dating women on dating apps and during the <laughs> pandemic, like, like yeah. okay. <laughs> it, it was an interesting thing to like date during that time, because not only could your dating life get you sick, but like at one point I had to call my mom and be like, the person I'm dating, their kid has COVID and I saw you yesterday. So you might like, it's such a weird thing to have your dating life possibly hurt your parents, you know, <laughs> like what's happening? It was, yeah. such a, it was bizarre. It was such a weird, weird. I mean, it was a weird time for everyone, but it was <laughs> exceptionally weird for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can relate on a level. I was dating during the pandemic also. I wasn't coming out of my marriage <laughs> at that time, but I was dating and I actually created a course during that time, an online dating course, because I realized that so many people were so confused about what to do. Do you date at all? Do you just stay online and never meet people? Do you meet them with precautions? What happens yeah. if you want to get physical? Do you both get testing? Do you trust this person? I mean, it was bad enough before where you may not have trusted easily, and you have to do STD testing and yes. all kinds of other things. But now we have COVID testing. And can we trust that this person actually doesn't have COVID? I mean, COVID today is not as deadly as it was when we first had the pandemic and people were dying very, very frequently. And it was really scary and getting really, really sick. So at least we don't have that happening anymore. But we still have to be cautious. There's, you know, as we tape this, there's still some spikes in COVID yeah. and we can't just be cavalier about it. So let's talk a little bit more about the dating apps. Which dating apps did you go on? What were your experiences? Were there any big surprises? What's the learning curve that you experienced on these dating apps? Oh, the dating apps. I feel like well, I wanted to do like a coffee table book of all the most ridiculous dating app profiles is I just started that that became sort of the pastime let's screenshot like the most ridiculous ones it it's there's like a, a psychology to what people put out <laughs> like you know hide your crazy for just a little bit you know sometimes these main photos you're just like oh my goodness someone needs to go check on this person because what is happening in these photos and there became a theme and I was like, I don't know if it's a thing, but a lot of lesbians have pet birds. So I have like a whole album on my phone of just pet bird, like people posing with their birds. And like I, some of them just, you know, are at like a restaurant with a bird on their shoulder. And I'm like, I need to understand what your relationship is with this bird. And is it like flying around your house? And why is it out to dinner with you? And there's just so so many and there's so many different things out there now where a lot of people are ethically non-monogamous non that's a huge one so they're just looking for some people are looking for a third but then some people are looking to just have a bunch like have they have a primary relationship and then they're looking to date outside of that individually that's a huge thing and I'm like look I don't I just don't have the time or like the calendar space to be taking multiple people. How do you have this much time to devote to this many people? Like I just, God bless, but I just don't, I don't understand it just from a time perspective. So I was on a lot of them, um, Bumble, Hinge, Tinder. There's a lesbian one called Her, which has a 
staggering amount of men on it. God bless the men, the men in the lesbian section, because they have to go in and say they're women seeking women. That's like, that's what they're doing. And you just think, man, you're really shooting your shot here, buddy. Like, (laughs) I mean, I guess they're hoping to come across some like bisexuals. Is that the game plan? I don't know. But like the amount of men that like me on these sites is just, it's impressive because you just, men just, you gotta love them. They're just kind of like on those sites, you know, they, when I first set my, one of my, I think it was tender. I put seeking men and then I, and within literally 20 minutes, I had 350 likes because these men, they just like everyone, right? That's just their thing. It's just a numbers game for them. And so I'm like, oh, dear Lord. So I'm like, why? Why are, oh, gosh, I put the wrong thing. So then I put women and then there were still men. And you're just like, buddy, what are we doing here? You know? But at the same time, I find it, like I said, really efficient because I can tell a lot. Now I've, you know, I've been on the apps for so long that I can tell, you can tell a lot about a person from those, the photos they pick to put on there the way if they decide to say anything about themselves at all, because some just don't say anything. And I'm like, come on, just maybe a sentence or two. And then the ones like maybe they, the sentence structure or like their punctuation, their spelling. And you're like, "Mm, that's probably not going to work, but yeah, it's just, it's amazing to me how much you can tell about someone (laughs) by their dating app. And then some, you know, I match with, and then the conversations on the dating apps, can you do like a whole course on that? Because there's, it's baffling to me, the number of people who can't just, I call it, um, well, it's, I don't call it, it is, it's, it's an improv rule called yes and. It's really very simple. It's, it's not really complicated. Someone asks you a question, you answer the question, yes, blah, blah, blah. And what do you, blah, blah, like you answer their question, you ask them a question. It's like, I don't know. Is that something that's complicated? It seems very complicated to people. Well, people, people get really caught up. I know the women I work with often say, well, what's the best opening line? And I'm like, hi, (laughs) I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be really complicated. I wouldn't just say hi, but like, you know, just asking them something in their profile and starting, even if you just go tacos or pizza, you know, it doesn't have to be yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. And, and I really recommend that people not spend so much time on each profile because so much of it is fleeting. There's so much what I of what I call online dating ADD, where you don't know that you even ever dated that person before. Like, it's like, oh yeah, your pictures look familiar. Oh yeah, we yeah, had that yeah. crazy conversation once that you were talking about some weird sexual kink that I wasn't into. Okay. So we're not going to talk again. (laughs) Yeah. I messaging. Well, I think, you know, I, I hate texting to begin with. It's a terrible way to get to know somebody. And some people are bad at texting, but really good in person. And so my recommendation. Some people are the opposite though. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I found that at the beginning where people would be, so amazing at pulling me in with their beautiful words. And we would talk on the phone and I would just be madly in love before meeting and then be like, oh my God, I can't even talk to this person in person. Yeah. I always tell people like you should meet up sooner rather than later because for me, I love texting and because I'm a writer, like if like, it's, it's important to me that you're able to like 
string together some sentences. And so I would have these back and forth conversations and be like, oh, this, this is the person and then go out with them. And it's just so much of it is just about vibe. And it's not even that I went out with bad people. I went out with amazing people. They just, we didn't connect. And that mm-hmm. is the, the needle in the haystack for me is, um, a connection. Like how does my nervous system feel when I'm with you and a vibe. And that's something that you can't do over text or even over phone. You need to be face to face. But the, the messaging thing for me was just, I give people three chances, three. I ask, you know, I ask a question. <laughs> I, I just screenshot one the other day with like, I asked a, an engaging question. They answered no question back, just the answer. And I'm like, okay. So I asked another question having to do with that answer. And then I said a little bit about myself, which, you know, is weird, but then, and then I asked another question. They answered that the question I answered, I asked, and then I asked another question and they, an- they answered it with like one sentence. <laughs> I'm like, all right, and we're done here. I mean, what, what do you think we're doing? And I don't, I don't know if that's a, like, are, cause some of these women I think are dating both men and women are men and supposed to like be the ones asking all the questions and you're not supposed to ask questions back. I don't, I don't know. All I know is that sometimes men get way too forward, way too quick from the women I know that are dating men. Yeah. The, the pictures they're sending after like three messages, these boys, like, what do we do? What are yes. you doing guys? I am gifting you with a body part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these guys. A dismembered like... body part. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> that is really not attractive. Yeah, I, no. yeah. I, I, it drives me crazy also when people don't ask anything. It is well, an like, awkward thing. I mean, it's just, you're trying to start, you're basically cold calling people. And trying to start a conversation with a complete stranger who has portrayed them in a cer- themselves in a certain way. And based on what they look like and what they've said about themselves, we're forming some kinds of assumptions about them. Then when they don't ask anything, we form other assumptions <laughs> about them. And then, But my theory is if somebody is making you work too hard, it's not worth it. That's no. really my bottom line. It's like life is so short. If, if this, that our three second conversation is not working, then I don't think we are going to, I mean, talking and conversations is just my favorite thing on the planet with all people, you mm-hmm. know, with my friends, I'll talk for four hours and be like, oh, wow, that was a long time. But it's just, I love doing it. So like when people can't just engage in a conversation and not and even, I don't even mind if they answer my question and then maybe expand upon it in something like a story, you know, with like a one word answer. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, yeah. have you ever talked to anyone in your life? So yeah, it's, but again, I think it's efficient, right? Because I know that after 15 minutes of talking to this person on this app, I do not need to go out with this person moving mm-hmm. on. And like, yeah. it, I, I find that terribly efficient. Because it just saves so much time. Mm-hmm. Do you do phone calls before meeting? Um, I I did during the pandemic. I don't now. Every once in a while, if someone like lives farther away, we'll do like a FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Um, again, my thing is all. I mean, and I'm also meeting women, so I I think it's a whole different thing when you're meeting men, right? Mm-hmm. There's a safety issue, 
um, that I just really don't consider. I should probably because <laughs> women can be just as crazy as men, but there is a, a physical, you know, intimidation factor for women meeting men. I mean, we meet for coffee or something in a public place. So, mm-hmm. um, I I'm all about like, just get face to face with someone to me. That is where I'm going to find out if we have any connection, if there's if distance is an issue, we'll do a FaceTime. Um, that sometimes you can, I can read that too, but it's just not quite the same as face-to-face. Do you recommend a phone call before? I do. I, I think that you can really vet people on the first phone call, just like you can through messaging. So if, uh, you know, you had an okay messaging, but you're thinking maybe there's something else beyond their messaging ability, I will sometimes say, hey, you want to continue this on a phone call to see if we connect. And then I, if I can't have a conversation with somebody on a phone call, I'm like, okay, we're out. It's not going to work. And they're like, yeah. why? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, I, you can't string sentences together. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that vetting by phone can save a lot of angst. I know many, many clients who started doing it and really were grateful that they had a phone call before meeting. On the other hand, sometimes people take a while to open up and they can be really this kind of onion that you need to peel a little bit and getting to see them and know them can make a difference, but we don't know. And it's, there's so much that we're taking a chance on with meeting people through online dating. Yeah. I've been on, I think, over 30 first dates in the last couple of years. And, um, I don't, there's only, I've only had one that's kind of been not great. And the other ones, even though they didn't work out, I've always had a good time. I mean, like I said, I could, I love talking to people. So I'll have a, you know, three, four hour date with someone that I'm like, I'm never going to see this person again, but you know, they're good. I, I enjoyed our conversation. So I do think I, I'm pretty good at sussing out the compatibility or someone's ability to chat or whatever during those messaging things. Um, But like you say, some people are just not as good at messaging and texting Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But I can usually suss out like a sense of humor, you know, and a playfulness and just the ability to bounce a conversation back and forth. You know, it takes a while to get to know a person, but you want to see if there are some basic foundational things that you need in order to continue to see that person. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. So what are some of the qualities that you're looking for? I mean, I have kind of tried to get away from the the checklist type of thing. I think that's what kind of got me in trouble with my um, partnership was 
my gut sort of told me it wasn't a good match, but we made a lot of sense on paper. And we met when I was 30 and I was like, ready to have kids. <laughs> Let's go. And, you know, we were great parents. We were great partners as far as like all the things we accomplished together. And, you know, she's a good person. She's just not my person. And my gut told me that from very early on that the way like her, her energy just isn't a match with my nervous system. So I try now to kind of keep an open mind about checklists. I think that we kind of paint ourselves into a box when we have, have to have this, 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 and this, I mean, obviously you're going to need to, you know, have a job <laughs> and I would prefer you. I would love to find someone that, you know, enjoys their career. Um, it's, it's rare that you actually find people that really enjoy what they're doing for a living. And it was, it's funny because I started doing a breakdown of data of the women that I've dated and the ones that really enjoy their career. And it was only one of them has kids and enjoys their career. There were actually, there were a couple that enjoy their career, but they weren't the ones that had the kids. They, their partners had the kids. And it's an interesting, that's a whole different conversation, but how motherhood and um, your professional life, it's very difficult to do both well. And a lot of times for women, the motherhood takes over for a good number of years that can then set your career back. That's off topic. But um, <laughs> it, I think, you know, ultimately I'm always looking for someone that's like smart, funny, and kind. And that's it. You know, someone has a good sense of humor and uh, I don't know, they kind of laid back and I, it's all vibe. Cause I, like mm -hmm. I said, I've gone out with these people, 30 plus people that all check all the boxes and, but the connection's not there. There's, I've connected with like two or three, you know, and then you have to see, is there a mutual connection? And I think there's only been a mutual connection one or two times, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of it's just juggling and balancing and timing. I don't know. Do yeah. you have any advice on that, on the connection thing? I think, I think I'm, I'm very quick to say no when I don't feel a connection because I don't want to waste anyone's time. And I feel like I wasted time with someone that I knew from the beginning, just did my gut was telling me this isn't a, the right fit, you know? And so mm -hmm. now when my gut tells me, I'm like, I, I gotta go. I'm probably way too early now, you know, cause I'm just a little gun shy. I don't want to waste anyone's time. I don't want to waste my time. And there probably is something to be said for actually letting things breathe a little bit. So there's a lot to be said about all these things. I think the most people's checklists are the wrong lists. They have to do with external things uh, things that are really irrelevant when it comes to the ability to be in a relationship and to connect. And so I always start with the feeling like you're talking about, do we have a mutual connection? Do I feel connected to this person energetically? Once you have that feeling that I feel connected, I feel safe with this person. I feel like I can open up emotionally with this person. Then there are qualities about a person that really come into play around each of these things. So if I wanna feel emotionally safe with a person, they have to be a good communicator, they have to be able to have boundaries in their lives, they have to be able to work through conflict. To me, those are really important must-haves. 
And then we have, okay, financially safe means they have a job. They know how to take care of their funds. They're not irresponsible with money. Those things can really get in the way of a healthy relationship. You meet somebody who's charming and wonderful and they're in debt and they're not doing anything to pay down their debt. And so for me, like responsibility is a huge, huge must have, like somebody who's taking charge of their life, somebody who does well in a crisis, somebody who just shows up, like just how many people just don't show up? They, they flake out, they don't show up, they fall apart. So that's what I mean by must haves. Those are like qualities, personality traits in a person that make them a good match for you or not. Yeah, I... I, um, so much of mine is just nervous system. I I was in a relationship that left me very, um, kind of numbed out because I was with someone that sort of operated at a higher frequency than I did. And, um, so I'm looking, I'm always kind of looking for someone that, I mean, you can't explain it, right? It's just a frequency. Like you're, they have a calm soul and, we can be still, they can be still. And, uh, life is always an adventure, but also life is about the, just being still sometimes and, Mm -hmm. um, the ability to be still together. And, uh, also someone that, I mean, it's so much of it is just timing, right? Especially if you're dating other people that are coming off a divorce. I know I dated, shortly after my divorce and I was in no state to be dating. Like I was in no state to be in a relationship with anyone because I was still needing to do a lot of work on myself. And, um, I think you have to be wary of anybody who's looking for you to be their buoy. Cause I know that's what I was doing at the beginning. Just someone to kind of hold on to during this really difficult time. And that's not anyone else's responsibility. So it's nice to come across people who either in therapy or have done therapy and you can see or like honest about themselves and their growth and wanting to grow, wanting to be better. And if you had a divorce, that's okay. But I don't want to hear that it was all the other person's fault. You know, I want to hear what your role was in it and what, what you're taking from it and how you want to be better going forward. That's all we can, any of us can do, right? That's the interesting and exciting part about dating in my forties is we're just performed humans. You know, I feel like in my twenties, we were all just kind of like, I don't know, we were just little balls of clay getting ready to be formed still. And I'm a, I'm a grown person now and I'm constantly evolving, but I, I mean, I know who I am and I'm looking for someone that can meet that and want to grow together, but ultimately still has a very good idea of who they are, <laughs> you know, and likes that person. Yeah. No, these are all really important things. So that's, that's really what I mean by must-haves, like people who are in the right headspace for a relationship, take responsibility for their own share in whatever happens in life. It's not just about dating. I mean, when I, when I first started dating after my divorce, I attracted a lot of people who were victims and they would just dump all their garbage out on the first phone call. It would be like, my ex totally just took all my money and I am just so angry. And I would just sit and listen to them because I felt bad for them. And I was very codependent at that time. And I was like, oh, I have to be there for them, even though I feel sick inside. So yeah, it's, 
when you grow and you are in a better headspace, you attract people who meet you where you are. You're much more likely to meet the right kinds of partners and people who are interested in self-growth. And not everybody is. A lot of people have, have arrested development and they're still 14 if they get it to that stage in development. But it, it is, it's true. There are people freeze in terms of their development in, in romantic relationships and to meet somebody who's formed and who is in process of growth always is, is really huge. That's a really important quality. Yeah. So one uh, communication is so important. And I think, I don't know that I've always been very good at that. Any like just stuffing things down instead of just articulating your thoughts. And, you know, I, I've, heard lately some somebody said the best thing you can do for your relationship is learn how to fight well like be able to have a disagreement without it being this complete blow up thing you know and and articulate your thoughts before it becomes a complete blow up thing that's just being mature um and that's something we all have to learn it's 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 frowned upon i think in our society to disagree right? Like maybe especially for women, just kind of go along with stuff. So I always like when I meet people who can disagree with me and we can have a conversation about it and then we move on, you know, it's not like this huge thing because nobody you ever meet is going to be this perfect match where you never have any fights or disagreements. So um, that's a huge thing to learn as you get older too, is how to communicate well, even when that communication is difficult. Absolutely. I, it's a huge part of the work I do as a coach is teach communication skills. I have a whole course on communicating for healthier relationships, boundaries. I teach boundaries. I mean, to me, these were things that were missing. How do you have conflict and not kill each other? I mean, or, or ice each other out. I mean, it's yeah, so yeah. many people have terrible ways of dealing with differences and Yes, a healthy relationship is not one where you don't fight. It's one where you fight kindly and yes, where the relationship is also the most important thing. Like the the preserving the relationship and respecting the other person at the same time. Because most people in the way that they fight, it's to preserve their own ego and it has nothing to do with helping the other person just, you know, be respectful and be kind. It's so rare to find people who know how to do this well, but it is a skill set that can definitely be learned. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're one of the first generations that has been encouraged to speak, <laughs> you know, like, I don't think my parents' generation or their, their parents, there wasn't a lot of talking about feelings, like just keep it moving, you know? And yeah. so this, those things just were modeled for us. And so, my kids, on the other hand, are so articulate when it comes to their feelings because it's just been something we've encouraged since day one, you know? And my son, who's nine, I'm just like, what is, like, how are the, like, you're just so emotionally mature. I'm feeling this, that I'm, you know, it's <laughs> like, I love it. That's so great. Like, just to mm. send a kid out in the world, just being able to articulate their feelings and how you are making them feel in a way that, like, isn't combative. It's just, this is how you're making me feel. This is how I'm in and it's making me act this way or whatever. I'm like, I just think we're sending them out with such better tools just to human in general, not just relationships, but just human. Yeah. 
That's wonderful. I, I love hearing that you are raising emotionally mature children who can express themselves. It's the greatest gift we can give. And honestly, we're in relationship with people every single day throughout yeah. our day, whether it's our friends, our coworkers, romantic partners, our children, our parents. I mean, every single person we're in contact with, we have, we have relationships with, and we can choose how we interact with people and choose to, to respond and to express in a way that's healthy or stay stuck in ego defense, which is yeah. where it's so many people are, unfortunately. Yeah. And knowing what not to say also is a big deal. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so speaking of words, what are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date after divorce? I would say probably to get it out of your head that it might be your last first date. You know, <laughs> I think especially after divorce, we're constantly, we're like, we're searching for this new person. Immediately we want to fill this role and we put a lot of pressure on these dates to be something right out of the gate. And I think especially right after divorce, you probably shouldn't be looking for your last first date. You should be <laughs> just go like have some fun, you know, and people get hung up and it being too serious. It's like, just go have fun and let, let dating at the beginning of your divorce be something that's just fun. Everything else is so heavy and serious. You know, you've got lawyers and mediations and kids and all this stuff like I don't know, go have fun and go like, it's been a long time probably since you've just had a fun meal with someone. Like go meet new people, go make out with a stranger. I don't know, like just go have fun and go get some therapy. And eventually things will happen the way they're supposed to happen instead of trying to force, 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 force it, you know? And um, that would probably be my kind of backwards advice. Don't be looking for your last first date, just go. <laughs> Go have some fun and get That's, therapy. Lots of yeah, therapy. <laughs> get therapy. Right? Oh my God. So many people are just like, you know, I don't believe in therapy. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, and then what you're doing is you're trying to find someone to be your therapist. You, everybody needs help. And like, you're trying to, if, if you attract someone that wants to, to put you back together, they're codependent and they're probably not going to be a big fan of you actually healing because they need to be your savior. So like be your own savior, do your own work, and then be a, a person that's ready for something real, you know, when it comes along. Yeah. You'll recognize it. You'll be ready for it. And I think it's great advice to just go out there and not pressure yourself. I think this is where a lot of people burn out and they get so disappointed I have a client who is dating for the first time since she's she was a young widow and it was it was so disheartening just the putting out messages and then getting back weird things and then feeling so dysregulated through the whole dating process and and it takes a thick skin to be able to get through all this because you don't you're not putting pressure on it you're just saying I'm going to have an experience. I'm going to go out. I'm going to have fun. I'm just going to let it be what it is. And then when it shows up, I'll be ready. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of pressure to put on the other person to be your last first date, you know, and people <laughs> sometimes like after the first date are all in and the other person's like, Whoa, what are we doing? Yeah, okay. You know? So just be chill. And, and like I said, just have fun, having fun and, you know, meet new people, see someone enjoy your company 
maybe it's been a while since someone's just smiled across the table from you in a genuine way, you know, it's not weighed down by decades of BS that you guys have been through. It's like, just let it be something fun in your life. And then the right person will come when they're supposed to come. Yeah. And there might be five right people. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Well, Don, it's been so wonderful just hearing your story and your own personal growth through this crazy journey, a journey of dating again after divorce and, and really this like diving into the dating apps and going to COVID. And uh, it is a journey. Uh, tell our yeah. audience where they can find you. Uh, Dondeus.com. Uh, my last name is spelled D A I S. So dondeus.com. I got all my okay. books on there. Go to Don Deus and find her books, buy her books. <laughs> and you can see the real words that they use on the books. <laughs> yes. <Not> the, <laughs> the clean words that we're using here on the podcast. There's a lot of, a lot of cussing in this book. My other books didn't have very much cussing. This one, it felt necessary. Mm. Dating after divorce can, can definitely call for some curse words. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Don. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey with us. Thank you for having me. And thanks everybody for listening. If you love our show, please follow, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. It always helps. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.